You know, much of the stress of life revolves around this whole area of relationships. And relationships are the stuff of reality TV. Do you ever notice that? I mean, the, the pathos and the pain and the pleasure and the possibilities and the heartache and the hopes all wrap up in reality TV. There's The Bachelor and The bachelor, Bachelorette, although I'm not sure how real that is. I've never had 25 women chasing after me. <laughs> now, maybe that just says something about me. I don't know, but most of you guys haven't either. There's Big Brother, The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills or Atlanta or New York or New Jersey or any other possible big city in America. Even getting voted off Survivor Island is as much about relationship as it is about competition. Relationships are the stuff of life, but it's not just TV, it's us. Who's hurt me? Who has it out for me? Does this person like me or not? Do they think I'm cool? Although I don't even know if cool is still a cool word to use, but you understand the concept. What do they think of me? Questions like that drive how you act and often what you think about yourself, maybe even how you dress. Sometimes relationship stresses come from nearby. It's a, a roommate or a friend. Sometimes, as Dr. Wright has found out this last week, they come from afar in social medias as people begin to express their opinions in ways that we never had capacity to express them before. And so I want to talk to you about relationships. That's our theme in chapel this semester. I think we find the heartbeat of it in Matthew chapter 22. Jesus was asked a question about the greatest command, and he said, here it is, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and a second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. See, the way you do relationships matters to God. Jewish scholars identified 613 specific commands out of their scriptures, what we call the Old Testament. And Jesus said all the law, all the prophets, all that stuff that, that you've learned all through your life, hang on these two things, are central to th these two things. Love God and love the other guy. The way you do relationships matters to God. Now the fact of the matter is all relationships have challenge. All relationships have challenges. Now, some of you don't believe me. Some of you are in the first stages of what you hope will be a lifetime romance. And if I asked you to describe the other person, you'd say, oh, he's perfect. <laughs> no, he's not. <laughs> and it's not just because he's a guy. <laughs> it's because he's a human being. All people are imperfect. And when people are in a relationship, whether it's romance or roommates, what you have is two imperfect people interacting with each other imperfectly. And if you don't see it yet, trust me, someday you will because all relationships have challenges. Professors have good days and they have days that are less good. RAs sometimes have their moments and so do roommates. Every relationship you have, every relationship you have will have a moment or two or 20 of challenge. Nobody lives happily ever after naturally. It doesn't work that way. There are no magic wands. There are no magic personalities. There are no maintenance-free relationships. You know, I, I, I know that movies aren't real life and cartoons exaggerate issues even more, but I'm wondering if you saw this one. 
get my way. You know, I know a couple of things. First of all, I notice how easy it is to identify bad behavior in some other guy. You say, that guy is wrong. And it's not all that hard to think of a that guy in your life. Some despicable me who's making your life difficult right now. But here's the second thing that springs to mind when I see that. And that's simply this. If you had a freeze ray gun, you'd be tempted to use it sometimes. You know, you run a little late for class, but you need coffee there and you're over at McCann and there's a line and you'd love to go, freeze ray, freeze ray, freeze ray. Just kind of scoot to the front and get that latte made for somebody else, but appropriated by you. Everybody has a bad day once in a while. And it feels like somebody else is getting in our way, making things difficult. We have the tendency to think life would be much easier if that guy would just get it right. Or do it my way. Or think my way. What if my RD were nicer? What if my sweet mates were more aware? What if that guy would just take a shower? But here's the deal. You cannot control the other person. You cannot change the other person. You can only work on you. You can only change you. And so this semester, as we think about relationships, here's what I want you to do. Don't sit there and blame that guy. All of us have a that guy. Maybe some of us have a bunch of that guys. I know that's bad grammar. But, but there's that guy and there's that guy and there's that guy and there's that guy and we just wish they would be better. And you need to accept the responsibility to bring your very best to the table of relationship. Love the Lord your God. Love him and love that guy. Now I'm not a scientist and I did not stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night, but I know enough to know that there was a time when scholars thought the earth was the center of the universe. Everything out there revolved around us. There was the earth, and then, and then there was the moon, and then Mercury and Venus, and then the sun, and then Mars, and Jupiter, and Saturn, and the everlasting stars were out there. And then somewhere in the 16th century, a guy named Copernicus created a stir in the scientific and religious world when he postulated the idea of a heliocentric universe, that the sun was the center of the solar system, and the earth revolved around the sun rather than the other way around. You know what I'm convinced? I'm convinced life would get better and relationships would get better if we had a spiritual and emotional Copernican revolution. Pete Cesaro, the author of Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, says, I can't help but experience life with me at the center of my universe. With my eyes, I look out on the world. With my ears, I hear what's going on. I can only feel, want, and experience what I am feeling, wanting, and experiencing. I naturally want the people around me to to become what I want them to be. It's like you're the center of your universe and you're expecting everybody else to orbit you, to meet your needs. That's who you are naturally. And then you learned a little bit more about it when you were a baby. I mean, when you were little, you, you were hungry, you needed to be fed or you needed to be changed and you screamed bloody murder and mom or dad came running. 
Not once, not once did you sit there in the middle of the night at two in the morning and think, you know, I'm hungry, but mom had a tough day yesterday. Why don't I just sleep past this 2 a.m. feeding? It was all about you when they showed you that it was. Most of us have learned to be a little more civilized in expressing our needs now. But naturally, we still filter the world through our needs. And all too often, in the midst of relational stress, we make emotionally driven choices that grow out of frustration or schedule issues or self-esteem issues or desire issues. And all too often, we make decisions to make ourselves happy But those choices step on the toes of somebody else and create stress and pain in their life. They get in the way of relational wholeness. And what we did in order to make ourselves happy ends up making us unhappy because the relationship has blown up somehow. Now, sometimes some of you just feel like you want to blow up on somebody. And you do it, and it's sort of cathartic for the moment. It feels good. You go, yeah, (laughs) I gave them a piece of my mind, like you have any to spare pieces. (laughs) Sometimes we feel justified in pouting or griping or gossiping, but we have to live with the mess we just created to satisfy some desire. Maybe we went farther than we agreed to go in a physical relationship with someone we love, and, and now there's relational baggage. And when I do what I want without stopping to think about you, it's called selfishness. When I do what I want without giving regard to what you need, it's called selfishness. When I sit and focus on how you are failing me, it's called selfishness. And selfishness never gets relationship where it needs to be. So what do we do with this? Love God, love the other guy's thing. If we want to get that right, and we should, because all of life is lived in relationship, let me make some suggestions to you. First of all, I think you ought to change the way you think about you. Instead of seeing yourself at the center of the universe, understand you're a servant of Jesus Christ. And you live life at the foot of the cross. He died for you. And you need to bring that selfish part of you to the cross and just say, Lord, I understand. My tendency is to say, what will be better for me? And I need to ask, how can I serve you better? I think you need to change the way you think about the other person. In our less than wonderful moments, we treat the other person more like an it than we do a person. They become an object. They become that guy. They become that jerk. They become that idiot. And and, and as you begin to call them that, they begin to lose their sense of sacred person created in the image of God and they just become an object for you to attack or to use. Here's the reality. The cross, the cross is a signal to you. You are deeply loved and valued by God. You are deeply loved and valued by God. But, and this is essential, so's that guy. So's the other person deeply loved and valued by God he didn't just die for you he died for them God values them and told you to love them and he didn't tell you to love them if you agreed with them if they were kind to you he just said love them Hmm. I think we ought to change the way we think about our differences and how we handle them you are you 
You have your own strengths, you have your own weaknesses. You have your own way of thinking of the world and of thinking what the world ought to be like. And then there is the other guy, that guy or that girl who thinks differently. Maybe that guy is the person you're married to or a roommate or a coworker or a classmate or a coach. Maybe he's the person who did not shower after their workout or the girl who's just a little bit weird or maybe a lot weird, I don't know. I mean, we, we all have people like that. In fact, you may be that person to somebody. But here's the problem. When I think about me, when it's just my life, I begin, to, I begin to stake out my territory and say, this is the right territory. This is me. And then there's this person over here who you see is that guy. And you have a little bit of conflict between you. And it's like you see that guy pick up garbage and just toss it into the middle of your life. <laughs> and you don't like that. In fact, you decide what the answer is, is not to say, hey, did you lose your garbage? The response from you is to quite often pick up your own garbage and just toss it back. And it doesn't cancel out. It just piles up. We're supposed to pile up. <laughs> and when you toss your garbage in, the, the other person doesn't say, oh, I'm sorry, did I do that? Typically what they do is they grab some more garbage and they toss it at you. And you grab some more garbage because you're reacting to them and you toss it back at them. And this place, this place becomes a garbage dump or maybe a battleground. A place where we're fighting to win our own way. We see that guy as the massive obstacle to what things should be. May I give you a different, a different way to think about this space between you and that guy? It all begins with the cross. And you take the garbage of your life, because we all have some of it, and you take it to the foot of the cross, and you leave it there. And when that guy throws garbage into your life, you pick it up, and you take it to the foot of the cross, and you leave it there. And as often as they throw garbage in your life, you take it to the foot of the cross, and you leave it there. Because when you get right down to it, this space between us was not designed to be a battleground. It was designed to be sacred space. Sacred space. The space where we work out what it means to love God and love the other guy. The space where we work out what it means to, to live in such a way that... that entices people to come to Jesus, that wants them to listen to us, that, that convinces them that perhaps they are of worth and they are of value because you love them and treat them like Jesus would. Sacred space. That's one thing to say in a chapel when we're sitting here and people go, yeah, he's, he's conditioned us for 15 or 15 minutes or so to talk about this. It's another thing to think about in the middle of a stress point in your dorm. It's another thing to think about when you're in a stress point in, with a friend. That stress point is a signal to go to the cross. You see, the one who hung on the cross understands something about that space of conflict and difficulty. As he hung there, there at the foot of the cross, stood disciples who just a few hours before that had run from him, from his arrest, had fled to protect themselves. And there at the foot of the cross were people who had lied about him, framed him, 
caused him to be convicted and nailed to the cross. And there at the foot of the cross were people who had done the physical pounding of the nails. And he hung there and he said, Father, forgive them. In fact, there was a guy at the foot of the cross that day named Peter. Peter later writes to us. And he talks about Jesus who suffered. And he said, you know, you were called to suffer as well. And then it tells us about Jesus. He said, they hurled their insults at him and he did not retaliate. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. God, you gotta take care of this for me. Father, forgive them. Into your hands I commend my spirit. And through his death, Forgiveness became possible and holiness came, became possible and spiritual life became possible. And we who serve the one who hung on the cross and said, Father, forgive them, are called to do his work in this world. That's why it's so important how we respond to one another. That's why it's so important that we express love. That we love him enough to love that guy who's difficult. It doesn't make him less difficult. but it just elevates who he is in our sight. Not an obstacle, but an opportunity to express the love of Jesus. This is not just theoretical. You will live this today. If not today, tomorrow. If not tomorrow, next week. Someone's gonna come up against you. It's gonna feel like that. They're gonna cost garbage in your space. You get to pick it up, take it to the cross and say, in the love of Jesus, I choose to act lovingly towards you no matter what your opinion towards me. Because the great command is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And to love your neighbor as yourself. Would you bow with me? And would you ask God in your life to show you where there might be selfishness in you or defensiveness in you or fear in you or anger in you that might be getting in the way of relationships? Selfishness in you? And we just hold that out to him and say, here, Lord, I don't want to be that way. I want to love you and I want to love the other guy. And I want to do it in such a way that you look at me and are pleased. Lord, we bow before you in relationship with you. We were the kind of people who lived in sin. The Bible says while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You could have looked at us and seen us as that guy. But instead you saw us as people worthy of redemption. You gave yourself so we might live. And I would simply pray that we would bow before you and bring you our junk. And bring you our commitment to say, God, it sometimes will be hard to do but I offer myself to you and I commit myself to love that person, the person that you love with your love so that together we might understand the great redemptive love of Christ and his work in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you. Go love that guy.